Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. All right, it's so peaceful, that music. Just want to like relax a little bit right now. Hey everybody, my name is Tim, if we haven't met yet, and I'm part of the team here at our church, and um, I have the great privilege today to walk with you during this time in our service where we open up the Bible and we look at the truth of God. And um, I always love, love, love this part of our gathering, and, and here's why, because while we are looking at the truth of God today, And we're going to talk about the truth of God. The truth of God comes alive when we explore it through what we call the Bible. Um, God says about the Bible that it's alive and that it's active. And if you'll let it right now, it will cut you to your soul. And some of you are like, oh, Tim, that's a little dramatic. I don't want to be cut to my soul. I just wanted some pancakes and coffee and some good vibes to start my week. Um, The good thing about being cut to your soul with the truth of God found in the Bible is that the most beautiful things you'll ever experience in this life will come out of that. And so uh, every time we get to open up the Bible, we're super, super stoked about it. And so um, today's today's no exception. We're we're ready. We're ready to see God do something today. So let me ask you a question. This is not a trick question. How many of you, let's, let's see by a show of hands, how many of you believe um, that prayer is a good thing, period, right? Almost everybody, I'm not going to judge you if you didn't raise your hand, by the way. There's no judgment here. I'm not going to judge you. Thank you for your honesty. Anyone who didn't raise your hand, some of you just weren't paying attention, and now you're hearing me say that, and you're like, uh-oh, what just happened? Uh, did I miss something? Um, yeah, you just told all of us you don't believe in prayer, and, um, and, and that's okay. That's okay. Um, there's no judgment here. How many of you, though, let's see, let's see a show of hands. How many of you would say that you are a prayer ninja, though, like that you're awesome at prayer, like you're amazing at prayer, you, you're, you're really, like, prayer, you're really good at prayer? I, I see somebody going, ah, I'm all right. I'm okay. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal. And then there's some kids back there that are like, we're awesome at prayer. And they are awesome at prayer. Um, you know, prayer is, is something that is, um, it's just kind of this weird thing, right? It's, it's, it's direct conversation with the God of the universe. We know it's a good thing sort of instinctively, right? Like all good religious people know that prayer is a good thing. Um, but none of us really are super comfortable with it. A lot of us, I should say, are not really comfortable with it. And we're not quite sure what to do with it. And um, it's one of the things, though, that Jesus is very clear on. I want you to pray. And in fact, I'm going to teach you word for word how you should pray. Like it's really important to Jesus. And I think there's a disconnect between our experience of prayer and what Jesus intended it to be. And so today, as we continue through what we call the Sermon on the Mount, if you're not familiar, this is your first time here with us, we've been walking through the most famous sermon of Jesus 
um, all throughout the year at different times, and we picked it back up again. And over the course of the next couple of months, we're going to take a deep dive into this thing called prayer. It's the section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus teaches us how to pray. And so today, we're going to sort of introduce it, and then over the course of the next couple of months, we're going we're gonna to dive down deep. Now, when it comes to prayer, we have all kinds of things culturally around us, both inside our church culture and outside our church culture that sort of inform prayer, right? <clears throat> so how many of you know the great theologian Ricky Bobby? Uh, have you heard of Ricky Bobby? Some of you don't know Ricky Bobby. That's okay. Um, <clears throat> here's, here's how Ricky Bobby would teach us to pray. You ready? Here's how Ricky Bobby would teach us to pray. Dear eight-pound, six-ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly, but still omnipotent. That's a big word for Ricky Bobby. We just thank you for all the races I've won and the $21.2 million, I love that money, that I've accrued over this past season. How many of you can relate to a Ricky Bobby prayer? Like, you're not quite sure what to call Jesus, so you're just sort of a God, and so you're just sort of like whatever words come to mind, and maybe your prayers are like solely focused like just on you, and like thank you, God, for like the good things in my life, amen? You know, like, like that's sort of the extent of your prayers. Um, how about, how many of you can relate to um, the prayer that um, Greg Fokker um, gave us in, in Meet the Parents? Do you remember this prayer? So in the movie and in real life, uh, Ben Stiller, you know, is a, is a, is a nice Jewish man. And um, he was asked to say the prayer of blessing over um, a meal uh, with, a, with a Christian part of his family. And here, here was his prayer. Oh, dear God, thank you. That's, that's a good start, right? That's a good start. You are such a good God to us, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. Still pretty good, right? Still pretty good. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day. And each day, by day, day by day, by day. Right? He's just trying to figure out, what do I say? He's just trying to, like, fill the space. Oh, dear Lord, three things. Remember, this is praying over a meal. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray to love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, and to follow thee more nearly. Day by day, by day. Amen. That, that was his prayer. That was his prayer in the movie, right? Like, he's using these and those, and he's like, he's trying to, like, you know, this, this, this food that you have lain, uh, aptly lain at our t- I mean, like, he's using words you and I never use in any ever, conversation ever, right? But sometimes we just, we either don't know what to pray, and so we just don't pray at all. We pray some, you know, just some, you know, off-the-wall prayer, or we try to make it, like, hyper-spiritual, right? Like, we, 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 if someone asks us to pray in person, in public, like in a group, we, we feel all this pressure to like make it sound like really spiritual because we're talking to the God of the universe who sent his son to die for us and was resurrected again. And, and, and we're just trying to thank him for the food that's in front of us. 
and we're talking to the God of the universe, right? It's just this thing. Now, that's sort of out in the culture. How about inside this church culture? And not just this church, but like all churches. Um, have you ever noticed that we use some phrases that are not, that, that are not quite, like, you just stop and think about some of the phrases we use in prayer? Like, like, like how about this one? Bless the hands that prepared this meal, oh God. So, so the heart is great, and maybe that's a phrase you use. And you're like, what, what's, what's wrong with that, Tim? Some of you are like, like, you know, hitting and elbowing each other like, yeah, you use that every time we pray for dinner. But what about the rest of the body? Like, like what? So we're just blessing the hands? Like, what, what, why not like the arms and like the, the legs and like the, I had to bend over, so I need to like work out my core a little bit. And so what about like bless, like what about like just bless the person who prepared this, you know? How, how about this one? How about this one? We will take, we will take the, the worst possible thing that we could put inside of our mouths and inside of our bodies. And we will pray this prayer. God, would you nourish this to the good of our bodies? God, would you, would you nourish would, would these, these flaming hot Cheetos <laughs> and, and Pepsi that I'm, I'm putting in my body, would you change the molecular structure somehow from like in my mouth to like in my body? Would you cause this for the nourishment of my body? For your glory. Amen. Why do we pray that prayer? This is food like products. It's not even food. And we're putting it in and saying, God, would you somehow would you make this beneficial to my body? We, you know what I'm talking about? Like prayer is, how about this? How about this? As a kid, uh, maybe now, I, my mom didn't have us pray this, but I knew I had friends who did. How about this children's prayer we pray with kids? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Okay, all right. This was pretty good. If I die before I wake... I pray the Lord my soul to take, right? Like, what, what are we praying with our kids? Like, if you die in your sleep, oh, dear God, would you please welcome me into heaven? Um, good night. Sweet dreams. How about this one? How about this one? Um, have you ever had anyone pray a hedge of protection around you? Because everybody knows that when you want to stop the enemy of our souls, the hedge is what does it. The, the hedge around you is what does it. Don't pray the steel wall. Don't pray the castle around you. Don't pray the armies of God's heavenly angels around you. Pray the hedge, the hedge of protection. You know, when we pray, we pray stuff that we just don't even really think about a whole lot, right? And, uh, and all of those prayers are, are very well-intentioned. And I know some of you use those phrases, and you're now going to be, like, nervous about it. And, like, 
maybe I don't, maybe I need to change how I pray a little bit. Prayer is a thing, though, that God cares very deeply about. And he cares mostly not just the fact that we pray, but that we pray authentically. That, that we're not trying to sound better than we are, that we're not trying to impress other people when we pray, that we're not trying to impress God when we pray. God cares that we pray, and he cares how we pray, right? And he cares that we pray often. And so what we're going to do is we're going to explore what Jesus has to teach us about prayer, and we're going to ask God to begin to open up this relationship. Because here's what we know as we dive into um, prayer. What we know about prayer is that God desires relationship with us. And that prayer is simply the gateway to relationship. And so if the enemy of our souls can get us distracted with Ricky Bobby prayers, right, or with prayers that don't make a whole lot of sense, but we've heard them all of our lives, so we just pray them, right? If he can get us distracted in this area of prayer, what happens is he cl- he's able to close the door on probably one of the most significant ways that we have to connect with the God of the universe, right? And so what we want to do is just sort of maybe lift the veil a little bit on all of this and ask Jesus to teach us some things about authentic prayer, and today we're going we're gonna to begin to crack open the door a little bit. And um, so we're in Matthew chapter 6. You can turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, I highly recommend the Bible app. It's amazing. If you get on it, look for me as a friend and connect with me on there. And um, there's a way for people to connect socially, like within the app. It's an amazing app. But we're also going to have it up on the screen if you want to just look up at the screen. But we're in Matthew chapter 6. And if you remember, if you were with us last Sunday, we talked about generosity. We talked about good deeds, deeds of righteousness. And we started with verse 1. And if, if you didn't hear this last week, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, it's, a, it's sort of an umbrella verse for everything that comes after it in the chapter. Right? And so last week it just happened to be generosity. This week it's going to be prayer. But verse 1 applies to everything that we, we read in this chapter. So let's read it again, shall we? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1 says this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness. And, and don't get tripped up by that like, sort of like high-sounding word, righteousness. You know, uh, It just simply means right before God. It's, it's the things that you do in your life that demonstrate your rightness before God. So, for example, when someone cuts me off in traffic and instead of cursing them out, I choose forgiveness, right? Um, When I should be impatient, but instead I choose patience. When, When, you know, when we talk about things like the fruit of the Spirit, the things that are evident in your life when you follow after God, things like patience, things like self-control, right? Those are all acts of righteousness, all deeds of righteousness. Be careful not to practice those things in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So God cares that we do these things, and he cares how we do these things. And he does not want us to do them for the sake of other people or even trying to somehow impress the God of the universe. He asks us to do these things so that we can be in deeper relationship with him. That is the goal. 
So today we're going to talk about prayer. And Jesus is going to begin to unpack for us his understanding of prayer. That prayer is not like approaching a cosmic, a divine ATM machine. Um, Prayer is not rubbing the magic genie lamp. That's not what prayer is. Um, Prayer is the gateway to authentic relationship with the God of the universe. And this is what Jesus is going to help us explore. So let's pick it up then where we left off last Sunday. We're going to jump down now then to verse 5. And here's what it says. And when you pray. Now, this is the same as it was last week. Remember last week? And when you give to the needy is, what la- is how last week started. When you pray. So let's just, let's just reiterate this from last Sunday. God expects that you will pray. It's a given, in fact, when you pray. And so for you and I, this is sort of our first, you know, uh, litmus test of, of this time of exploring this truth of God. When you pray, how is it with you and prayer? Do you pray? This is a question to ask yourself. Do you pray? Now, here's the beautiful thing about exploring the truth of God. That whenever we find a gap in what God expects and what we actually do, God exposes that gap never in a condemning way. So when I ask the question, do you pray? And on the inside, you're going, nope, not really. God is not asking you that question through his word today to condemn you, to judge you, to make you feel guilty about not praying. God is illuminating a place in your life where you can experience more of him if you'll embrace it for what it is. God wants more for you today, not judging you. And so if you see Uh, a gap there in that question, do you pray? And your answer is no. What God is doing is he's graciously, lovingly reaching out to you and saying, I want you to start today. I want you to start today. So when you pray, okay, let's keep going. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Now you're going to notice this if you were here last Sunday and you actually paid attention. Um, you're going you're gonna to see that this is pretty much like almost word for word what, the, what last week's passage was. We're just sort of putting in prayer instead of um, generosity. So when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in church and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. That's it. That's their whole reward. Very, very short, very shallow reward of the applause of man. That's it. When when you do stuff so that you can look good in front of other people, your reward is so little. It's so little. It's so shallow. It's so fleeting. In fact, the moment it comes, it's gone, and you want more of it. And the more you go after it, the more you try to look better in front of people, the worse it gets because it gets farther and farther away. This is why social media is so challenging for us. 
because we just constantly want to look good. We, we want to look better than we are, and we're so focused on, I mean, I don't, I don't care if you're like, you may not even be on social media, and you know this life truth. This is a life truth for you and me, right? You always take the picture where? Up here or down here? Up here. Come on, fools. Up here. You do it up here, right? Because if I do it down here, you're counting my chins on my face, right? You do it up here. Everybody knows that. You're not even on social media, and you know that. Why? Because our culture is all about putting the best front that we can out there. That's not how God works. That's not how the kingdom works. That's not how the church works. Have you ever felt walking into a church? Maybe you're new here today. If you've been here a while, I hope you still don't feel like this. But especially when you're new walking into a church, do you ever feel like you have to look a certain way? You have to say a, a certain thing. You don't want to be embarrassed. You want, to feel, you want people to sort of feel like you have it all together. I think it's one of the most powerful thing, things that people remember when people like me step up here and do this is when we acknowledge our faults, right? Like, I'm just going to tell you right now that prayer is not a strength of mine. Like, when I got on my knees this morning in a room up that way in this building and prayed that God would move during, his, during this time of opening his word, the very first thing I said was, God, thank you for allowing me to be chosen to teach this week because I need this when it comes to prayer. I don't, I don't roll up out of my bed every day and fall on my knees and start talking to the God of heaven. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how you are. Maybe that's you, and that's awesome. I love that. But every single day of my life, I have to make the decision to put down my phone first and not check in on all my stuff and pray, right? It's a discipline for me. This is how it is when we follow after God. God wants us to do this, and it's not easy. So let's keep going. Let's keep going. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, God says. And those of you who don't pray like super long, like eloquent prayers, this is good news for you. They, they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Now, I, I typically pray longer because it's, it's, it's hard for me to say hello in less than five minutes. I, I, I'm, like the, I'm like the Apostle Paul in this way. I'm very wordy. I'm very wordy. I'm overly wordy. I, 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 um, regularly, this happens to me. I expound on something, and inside my head, I'm like, huh, that was pretty good. Like, I think I explained that pretty well, you know? And then somebody right next to me says everything I just said in five minutes in one sentence. And I'm like, hmm, I got to work on that a little bit. Wordiness does not equal spiritual depth. 
right? It's the heart that matters. Now watch this. Do not be like them, Jesus says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So this changes everything. In fact, we, we talked, our, our, all of our um, uh, teachers who are, who are teaching this message across our three campuses this week, we talked about the idea of starting with this last verse and, and teaching this backwards. Because everything lives and dies with this verse. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, on the one hand, you might say, well, why ask him then? Like, why pray if he already knows it? But on the other hand, how comforting is it to know that we're going to God and he already knows it all? He already knows what we need, what we want. He knows where we have fallen, where we've done well. He knows all the things. He already knows it all. And he's simply, listen, he's just simply waiting for you to come to him. We don't go to God in prayer to inform him of anything, right? We, we don't come to inform him of anything. God is not about, prayer is not about informing God about our situation. It's about God changing our hearts no matter the situation, right? God is, prayer is not about informing God about our situation. It's about God changing our hearts no matter the situation. It's about what God does to our hearts when we come to him in prayer. And so let's look at, let's just make a few observations about this amazing truth that your father knows what you need before you ask him. This will change everything you think about prayer. That's a bold claim to make. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let me, try to, let me try to back that claim up. Are you ready? How you see this phrase, your father knows everything you need before you ask him, will change everything that you think about prayer. Let me give it a shot. Ready? The very first thing that that phrase teaches us is that God is for you. Your father knows everything you need before you ask him. He knows how jacked up you are. He knows the things you do really well. He knows it all, and he still invites you to come to him in conversation. God is for you. He's not against you. And some of you maybe are hearing this for the very first time. The God of the universe is not mad at you. He's not waiting for you to do the thing again that you know you shouldn't be doing so that he can lower the boom on you. He's not the God that looks at you and says, I knew you would do it again. How many times do I need to forgive you for this? God is not mad at you. He is for you. Listen, listen to how the Apostle Paul says it like this in Romans 8.3. Or in Romans 8, he says this. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And you're like, well, what's he talking about? What then shall we say in response to these things? What are all of these things? Listen to what he has to say about this. 
he says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not then, along with Jesus, graciously give you all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who can condemn you? No one. Christ died for all. More than that, he was raised to life. He's at the right hand of God right now, advocating, interceding for you. Who can separate you from the love of God then? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, the sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him because he loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, anything else in all of creation, in case I, I forgot something, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for you, who can be against you? God is for you. He's waiting for you to come to him. He's waiting. He knows everything you bring when you come to him. And when you finally do come to him in prayer, he's like, I've been waiting so long. Those of you who have grown kids are... Our oldest is 23. She's a senior up at Berkeley. Our middle son is 20. He's a senior at Grand Canyon University. Pray for our bank account. <laughs> Two graduating this year, and our youngest is 18, graduating high school this year. Three graduations this year. And those of you who have kids who have left the home, man, when they come back to you, when they text you, when they call you, and I, I, I guarantee you 100% my mom is watching this. Um, mom, I'll call you this weekend. <laughs> when they do, you know, you know what you do? When it, for those of you who aren't in that situation yet, do, 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 you, do you know what you do? Do you know what you do? I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing here. Let's go. You drop it all. You drop it all when they, when they reach out to you. This is, this is how God is. He's for you. He can't wait for you to come to him in prayer. He doesn't care what you say necessarily. He doesn't care how you say it necessarily. He's not concerned about all of those things primarily. He's concerned about just the fact that you're turning your heart toward his. For the Father knows what you need before you ask him. God is for you. Now watch this though. God is not just for you. God wants more for you. 
Listen to how Paul says it in Ephesians. He says this in Ephesians 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches that God may strengthen you. Strength. With power through the spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all God's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. Watch this. So that you may um, be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That means so you can experience everything that God has for you. Everything. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And that's just a sampling of the more that God wants for you. Strength and power and faith and relationship, knowledge, understanding, the fullness of God. Him doing immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. All those things bringing glory to God just because of who you are. God wants more for you. So, here's the third observation about your father knows what you need before you ask him. God sees prayer as the bridge. So here you are. Here's God. God is for you, and he wants more for you. What's the bridge? It's prayer. It's prayer. God designed it. He said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm for you. I want more for you. And so here's this thing that I'm calling prayer. And it's, your, it's the ability I'm giving you to be in conversation with me. And as you do, what will happen is you'll bring your humanity to me, and in a divine exchange, I'll give you all of who I am and all that I can do and all that, that I have to offer to you. We get the better end of the deal. We give him our anxiety, for example, and in a divine exchange, he gives us a peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and our minds because of Christ Jesus. Right? Right? Prayer is the bridge. So here's our big idea of truth today. The way of Jesus invites us to authentic relationship. God doesn't want us, you know, praying Ricky Bobby prayers. He doesn't want us adding in a bunch of these and thous and trying to make it sound all fancy. God wants us to authentically come to him in the quiet places in our lives and talk with him. So over the course of the next month or two, we're going to explore exactly how Jesus teaches us to do just that. So today, though, today, we want to respond to this truth. And so what do we do? What do we do with this? The very first thing that we do is that we simply pray. You know, like, well, Tim, that's a little simplistic. Yeah, but that's what it is. Just pray. Pray authentically. 
just in the best way you know how. Prayer is a learned thing. You, you will become much more fluent and much more um, sort of passionate and much more, you, you, as you grow in your faith, you'll grow in your prayer life with God. The key is to actually just pray and pray authentically. And then I'm going to add one more in here. Pray expecting God to move. And maybe you start out by just saying this, God, if you are who you say you are, if you actually do what you say you'll do, then I'm going to give you this need that I have. You already know that I have it, and so I'm just going to talk with you about it. I'm really anxious right now. I'm just really anxious. It just feels like I can't even close my eyes at night. I just have, I'm just anxious all the time, God. Would you, could you help me with that? Pray, pray authentically. And pray expecting God to move. Can you do those things this week? Can you choose to pray? Can you choose to pray authentically in just whatever way you know how? And can you pray expecting God to move? If you'll do those three things and come back next Sunday, we will begin to explore. Your heart will be in the right place as we begin to explore Jesus teaching us how to actually dive down into the depths of prayer. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.